Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Doe's Nose. It's been a great week. I actually got to sit down with legendary waterman Dave Galama. He's one of the original strapped crews. He helped co-invent toe-in surfing and foil surfing. And God, the guy's just amazing. I was super, super stoked. He had so much to say. Um, we're going to get right to that in a sec. But big shout out to all my sponsors, Kona Boys, Deuce Gym in Venice Beach, Original Nutritionals, uh, Kona Coffee and Tea, Maverick Sport Fishing, and Hurley and GoPro. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast. And Dave, let's hear what you got to say. Welcome to the show. show man i'm super excited those it is a pleasure to be talking with you i'm i'm stoked that you're here in my house checking out my view of uh maui so this is awesome yeah you live in such an absolute wonderful place here um when you told me where to go i started driving down the road and i was like holy crap i know this area <laughs> uh because i hunt down here all the time and you've got, you're like right at the bottom, and I'm not going to say where you live, but there's deer all around you, and you have the most magical view of Lanai and and the other side of Maui and both sides of Maui, pretty much. Yeah, I, I got a ways to go to get down there, but I can see where the surf is, and so I know where to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. And right now, there's actually a south swell pumping through here. Did you surf this morning? I did. I got about four hours in this morning and uh, had a blast. Where'd you go? Over to Laniapoco area. Okay, yeah, there's some good waves down there. Yeah, big lefts, yeah, big lefts, some fun rights. I figured and, you uh, might be at like Ma'alaya or something. Nah, a little bit windy there today. Yeah, and um, I don't know the the crowd on the south side is so much mellower. Is I really it? enjoy that that yeah, just fun. Nobody's getting too worked up about anything. Everyone's got a great attitude. So it's it's the group of guys that I surf with make it really fun to go surfing. So I, I enjoyed this morning. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm so excited to have you on here. You know, this is one of those Daves of the World Unite thing here. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Kalama and Dozer Dave. And um, I've been a huge fan of yours for a long time and uh, grew up watching you surf. You know, you're a, you're a legend, dude. You're a pioneer in in surfing history you know you're you've you're going in the books if you're not already in the books and um you and laird helped create toe and surfing which kind of set everything up for people like shane dorian you know and and big wave surfing that way and uh and also the in the development of uh foil boards and what kai lenny's doing right now as well too another local maui boy it's kind of hard to get my mind around when you say the word legend, you know, to me, Jerry's a legend, Buttons is a legend, you know, Eddie, right? you know, is a legend. Those guys are legends to me. So I appreciate the kind words, but it's, it's hard for me to get my mind around that. In terms of my effect on surfing, um, working as close as I did for as long as I did with Laird and some of the other boys uh, in the strapped crew... 
never once did we really approach it with the mindset that we're trying to progress surfing or there was some master drawing board in some secret room that we were devising, you know, how to take over surfing. It was always inspired by fun. It was sure. a lot of the times inspired by making mistakes and then going, hey, if we change this, that might work, you know? Right. So it was pretty well, serendipitous. You guys kind of started it, what, Zodiacs? Zodiacs, uh, almost chopping each other up by running each other <laughs> over. Right. So... I mean, we made every mistake in the book, basically, you right. know. While we did develop certain things, we also, at the, at the same time, developed all the wrong things, right. you well, know, and learned from it. Well, you guys were, were trying to conquer, or not, but conquer is a good word, but, you know, trying to ride a wave that nobody has been able to ride before. You can't, you, you, you thought you couldn't paddle into it. And um, definitely there's still those days where it's impossible to paddle into. But you guys were like, okay, we got to get into waves like Jaws or those big outer reef waves up on the North Shore. How can we do it? Well, like I said, a lot, a lot of it was initiated just from wanting to have fun. And, and that's where the towing started from. Uh -huh. Once we got into it, then the lights started to go off in our head like, whoa, we could actually take this kind of goofy summertime fun thing into big waves and all of a sudden mm. everything's going to change or, or you know how how you approach it will change we didn't know where it was going to go or what it was going to change to but just like wow if we take paddling out of the equation then it's all about surfing and that started us down a road you know that entailed a lot of discovery let's say right. technique equipment um, discovering the jet skis and, and how they are much safer, more maneuverable, the safety aspects, you know, on down the line. Everything was new. We had to learn about it and then how to take advantage of it. How right. can we maximize each one of these little discoveries we made along the way? But most of the time it was all, all kind of driven from let's get away from the crowd mm -hmm. Go do our own thing, and and we really enjoyed being off in left field. You right. know, I mean, our whole act has always been kind of at the fringe of surfing, uh -huh. and I think that's why we're sort of taken seriously, but we're always kind of thought of, oh, those guys are out in left field, you know? Sure, sure. But that's actually kind of a fun place to be. Yeah, because <laughs> you're usually by yourself. Exactly, and yeah. that that's what a lot of the enjoyment we we got from it um, outside the office of riding the waves we got to ride was the fact that we were by ourselves, we were doing it our own way. There was no, mm -hmm. no one to follow, no one to kind of show us, no, do it this way. There was no right or wrong. Right. We could do it any way we wanted and, and make it our own interpretation of where we thought it should go. And so that was a lot of what the enjoyment of, of what we were doing was and, and, and kept us motivated. There's only like four of you guys, right? It was like you and Laird and Derek well, Dorner and In the original Buzzy, strap crew, there Kerbox. was there was eight. Eight. Mark Angulo, Mike Waltz, Pete Cabrina, Rush Randall, Derek Dorner, Buzzy, Laird, myself, Brett Lickle. Ah. And that was, we referred to ourselves as the strap crew because we incorporated foot straps into the surfboard. We were not the first ones to do it. I'd seen guys do it before and play around with it. But I think we were the first ones to to 
maximize the potential mm. of being connected to our boards and then develop a whole technique around it. So uh, that's the strap crew. That's really cool. And where, what was the first wave that you guys tried it out at? Um, well, the first ones were over on Oahu with Derek, Buzzy, and Laird in the Zodiac. Right. And um, there's some very archival footage of that yeah. first day. They really got into big surf. And, and actually, in those early days, Brett and myself and Mark Angulo were playing more with the foot straps mm-hmm. on just normal paddling shortboards and experimenting a lot with the aerial aspect oh, wow. of how to take advantage of foot straps. Loops. I mean, you look at what the guys are doing now. They're almost surpassing what we were doing initially <laughs> with foot straps. It's, it's amazing. Truly amazing. Like in the beginning, we're like, God, if, if, if someone like Kelly right. learned to take advantage of foot straps, and I'm talking, you know, early 90s. So aerial surfing was just at its infancy, let's say. Yeah. And we were like, God, if someone like Kelly or like someone like that could take advantage of the foot straps and go sort of like snowboarding, it'd be incredible what they could do. So we had these visions of what aerial surfing would look like a long time ago, but we always envisioned it with foot straps. Now, obviously, they're doing it without foot straps. Guys like Matt Miola doing like a 540. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's almost unfathomable to me how far they've taken it without the incorporation of connected surfing. I would like to see what he could do. If he could do a 540 with no straps what can he do with straps well that's what i mean it and and that's a little bit frustrating to me even though i appreciate what they're doing and am in total amazement if they had straps you look at the snowboarders now Mm -hmm. their mindset goes from doing you know two rotate one two rotations to maybe three or four who knows Mm -hmm. because you the the snowboard guys it's crazy what they're doing and there's no reason the surfers couldn't couldn't do that too if they right. have that leverage over their board. Absolutely. It's just, you know, you got to be towed in to make that happen. Well, I don't think you have to be towed in. I mean, when, when we were first playing with foot straps, we were just paddling in, jump up and shove our feet into the straps. Wow. Which you're going to sacrifice some waves figuring out how yeah. to do that. And we did. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating. And I think that's been the boundary of why it never took off is because while you're going through that process, you're going to kook out. And yeah. really good surfers don't like to kook out right. while you're trying to figure out how to, how to stand up and nail the straps on the first try. And so, you know, we went over the handlebars and blew some good waves. But, boy, when you hit it. Mm. Now, you guys started off with the Zodiacs, and then what do you guys progress to? Those, remember those old-school jet skis where the front lifts up and down? <laughs> Is that what you guys were doing it on? No. The, uh, when we got into the Wave Runners, uh, Terry Ahui and Brian Kalana were had just incorporated them into their water safety program. Mm-hmm. And so they were actually the ones that turned us on to, to using the Wave Runners. Gotcha. And uh, once we got a hold of those and realized how much safer they were, you know, within one day, it's like, all right, we're not going to kill ourselves, at least from chopping each other's legs off from the props. So right. out with the Zodiacs, in with the Wave Runners. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact that you could roll them in the surf, you could climb giant whitewaters, mm-hmm. it was a full no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. What was the scariest moment that you ever had while you were, you know, building this whole little toe-in thing that you had going on besides Um, almost getting your legs cut off or it could have (laughs) 
be one of those. One of the scariest moments was when we were still using Zodiacs and uh, Brett Lickle and I were in the water and the waves were small, three to four feet, but we were just working out the process of mm-hmm. how much time you had in between each wave to pick somebody up and how cautious or aggressive to be. And I remember one time I came in near Brett and the next wave was coming and I didn't have the time and so I accelerated and I didn't anticipate the back end of the boat swinging around as much as it did. And I couldn't have been more than six inches with the prop away from wow. from Brett. And uh, I realized that as it was happening, but it happened all so quick, you know, I, I just literally, I said a prayer as I was accelerating away from him so that I wouldn't get hit by this wave. Yeah. And that was when the lights went off, like, okay, you you cannot be aggressive. You have to be so cautious and so careful. Right. Um, but like I said, we, we learned everything the hard way, and thank God we didn't kill each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you part of that deal? Um, you remember when uh, Laird did that movie, Toe, down in Tahiti? No. Uh, all of Laird's all... initial Tahiti stuff, um, I wasn't there. And that, oh, okay. Like the Oh My God wave. Right, right. Unfortunately, I was in Malibu doing a photo shoot for Quicksilver. Um, <laughs> well, with those dashing looks you have. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I missed that whole episode of, of towing because I was doing my job, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, well, you know, doing the job is paying the bills. That's right. And you are married and you've got four kids. Yep, I've you, got a 20... You- 20-year-old, 18-year-old, seven and three. Wow. So I got my hands full. Grand, grandpa yet? Nope. No. no don't. <laughs> Easy, buddy. Push Easy. to the left, right <laughs> Don't be using the G word around me. No, I already am a grandpa. Oh. So I know you're Congratulations. Kind of right now. You're going, damn, Doze, you look so young. Yeah. But, you know, I started young. Congratulations. So. Yeah, thanks. Um, got my fourth one on its way, so I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, that's awesome. I look forward to that day. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, scared as hell of that day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, the awesome thing is that you don't have to pay for them anymore. <laughs> and you don't have to raise them. You can just have them dropped off and... Give them a bunch of candy, let them watch them TV, and, and, and go back to your mom and dad. <laughs> Bad grandpa. <laughs> no, um, you grew up in a family. You know, I think it started back with your grandpa and your dad. Um, it's just, you know... Strong Hawaiian watermen, you know. Um, you want to, can you tell us a little bit about your grandpa and your father? Yeah, my grandfather um, was heavily into outrigger canoe paddling mm-hmm. way back in the day, 40, 50 years, like even uh, swam competitively against the Duke. Yeah. Now, obviously, he wasn't better than the Duke, right. or he might have been the one competing in the Olympics and that stuff. Right. But still, to get to a level where you were swimming, you know, against the Duke uh, is pretty cool. Um, I believe it was the late 50s, early 60s, he went to California for work, and uh, I think it was the Outrigger Canoe Club, I'm not sure which one, one of the old school canoe clubs asked him if he would um, get canoe paddling going in California, Wow! create a club over there, so he did, so he was the first one to start Outrigger Canoe Paddling in California, uh, started the first club in Newport Beach, 
um, of which my father, Elima, was one of the members and a lot of his brothers. Why you were born in Newport Beach. That's why, exactly. Yeah. That's why I was born in Newport Beach. Um, and my father at the time was, you know, naturally very into surfing too, with his father being such a an waterman. And uh, so my father was the 1962 U.S. amateur champion, won the contest at Huntington Beach. Mm. Uh, my grandfather at one time was was considered one of the top two body surfers in the state of Hawaii way back in the day. Nice. And used to, from what I've been told and, and have even seen a picture of him body surfing 20-foot makaha. Wow. So, yeah. That's probably where Mark Cunningham picked it up. Huh? <laughs> it, <laughs> could have been. Could have been an inspiration for Mark. But, uh, yeah, th- there's a lot of heritage and legacy uh, mm-hmm. in the water for me. And it definitely played a part. It was an inspiration. Um, And when I started to be drawn to the ocean and really get into it, there was a a sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. you know. I knew I had a long way to go to carving out my own niche and making my own reputation. Right. But uh, there was this, this feeling I always had that, Hey, my, my grandfather did this. My, my father did this. Um, I belong here. Right. You know? Were they pretty hands-on with you as you were growing up as a kid, you know, bringing you into that environment? Y- yes and no. Like, they didn't coach how you would think a coach would, would coach you today. You know, bend your knees more, turn your upper body, nothing like that. More old school. Right. You know? Throw you in the deep end of the pool and figure out how to swim. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that's that's how it was back then, you know. Yeah, Co- yeah. Coaching, learning was um, a lot more survival, sure, kind of tactics. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys went to the beach all the time. Yeah, um, you know, my first experience with the water, I don't even remember. My my father put me on the nose of his board and went and got a few waves, but. I remember learning properly, learning how to surf when I was seven, and, mm, and yeah. in Southern California at Blackies, yeah, um, down by Twenty Second, and so that was where I was initiated to the surf. And when was it that you decided, hey, I'm coming back to Hawaii? It was July second, nineteen eighty five, twelve thirty in the afternoon. I think it was a United flight. You're nineteen, twenty years old. Twenty years old. Um, I, I only been, know because I'm associating your age with mine. Your, yep. Yeah. So I had been, I went to high school in Mammoth. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, I was done, down in Southern Cal, but um, I tried very hard to be a ski racer and it didn't work out. I tried for two years after getting out of high school, wasn't panning out, got very frustrated. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm just getting into windsurfing. It's kind of fun. Maui's the, you know, the epicenter for it. And so I was like, ah, move to Maui for a year, see what happens, figure out which way I'm going to go from there. And, uh, you know, my intention was stay for a year or till I stop having fun. Yeah. And, you know, I'm 31, 32, 31 years later, still having fun yeah. living on Maui, and I don't see leaving. No, um, not with a view like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out. I, I've... You know, there's been trying times and, and times where I've wondered, you know, am I going to survive this? Sure. Um, but things always seem to work out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you've had some really, really good things happen in your life. And, um, you know, one of the things about you is you're super humble. 
you know, you're one of the nicest guys on the planet. And um, I noticed about you is that you treat people very well, you know, and you're very welcoming. And, and um, you know, that's how when, when you treat people like that, it only gonna, is going to come back to you the same way. Well, w- one of the things that I grind into my kids, all of them, is a very simple rule. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you're going to get bad. You know, it's the golden rule, essentially. And so I don't want to be a dick. Yeah, exactly. I like people to like me. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to be nice and friendly. And I have found that the more I am like that, uh, the more opportunity finds you, Mm -hmm. uh, the more fun experiences seem to come yeah. When people want in to your hang path. around you, everything happens. That's what I mean. Yeah. So your friends appreciate it. And when your friends truly become your friends, and you know, they're not there because they want to try your boards or because you're popular, you're in the mags and all that stuff, and they know you, it's nice to have friends because there's yeah. times while, you know, we always paint this nice picture, especially with social media these days, about how great everything is. Mm-hmm. The reality is it's not always great. No. And when you've got some friends you can lean on and, and help get through some of those hard times, um, that's valuable. Absolutely. That's really valuable. So I appreciate having friends and and I like being thought of as a, as a good person and people like to hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that's the word around town. So um, people like you a lot. So um, and that's one of the things about me in my life is I I appreciate my friends and I love my friends and my family more than anything. And I don't ever want to piss any of them off. You know, like you said, be a dick. Um, Because the last thing in the world I ever want to do is hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And um, yeah, so awesome. But uh Let's see, you've got all kinds of other stuff that, that's happened in your life. You know, you've, uh, like you said, you were a windsurfer. You came over here as a windsurfer, and you've won all kinds of contests and stuff and championships for being a windsurfer, a canoe racer. Dude, the list, it goes on and on. You know, basically, those I have stepped in dog shit about three significant times throughout my <laughs> right. life. Right. And by that, I mean I've gotten extremely lucky to somehow figure out how to reinvent myself. Uh-huh. Well, I moved over here for windsurfing and absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I, I, I essentially built the reputation. I was the first one in the water and the last one out. And that's because I absolutely fell in love with it. And it skyrocketed me up into the upper echelon of windsurfing, competing with the likes of Robbie Nash Mm -hmm. and Mike Waltz and, to me, what were legends in windsurfing. And I was so in awe. So to even get where I had them in a heat and I was competing against them was way beyond anything I'd ever imagined. I I literally, I got here into windsurfing with zero competitive aspirations. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. It was fun. Being in the ocean, riding waves, doing flips, it was epic. And then get to go to your favorite spot with only a couple of guys, whether you win or lose, who cares? Exactly. And and I think that approach of not putting any pressure on myself helped me really have a lot of success in windsurfing. Now, I didn't win everything I was in, but I've won every major event um, that they used to have on Maui. So it was a ton of fun. And, and to beat 
Robbie Nash one time in in a finals yeah. to win a car. What? Yeah, What'd I mean, uh, just just little Geo Tracker, but yeah, Geo Tracker six grand in cash, and it was like, woo! I mean, today <laughs> even till today, it's still the richest wave event that that there ever was. Wow. And so, I mean, to compare that to surfing, I'd be like beating Kelly in a final, which yeah. not many people have experienced, right? Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, that, that was really fun. But um, after windsurfing started to die out, along came stand-up, or not stand-up, but toe surfing. Right. And that came about because all the people that were my best friends in windsurfing we moved right into the next thing together. It was, it was that sort of mentality that we had of experimenting with whatever. Right. And, and wanting to, you know, go to the beat of our own drummer, which allowed us to have an open mind to experiment with things like that. Whereas traditional surfers or guys that maybe lived on Oahu, there was a path beaten down. And if you wanted to make a name, you had to be on that path. Right. And I think we had the luxury and the benefit of being on Maui where that wasn't the case. Because of windsurfing, everyone approached it completely different. There wasn't that, that um, tradition. There wasn't that hierarchy as much as there is on Oahu. And that allowed us to discover different things because mm -hmm. we would... Yeah, look, the surf's not that good over here all the time. It's blowing a lot. It's blowing a lot. So if you're not into wind sports, you're going to be suffering. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're going to be hunting. <laughs> so that's what allowed us to discover a lot of these other things. And so voila, along came toe surfing, made a career out of that. And then as that started to fade, um, and that took us way further than I ever thought. Right. You know, Um and then it came the stepped in another paddler. pile of it and became a stand-up paddler. And now I'm hugely entrenched in that industry. And it has revitalized my stoke for, for being in the water um, right back to my early days of windsurfing where first one in, last one out. I just can't right. get enough of it. But it's also something that was, um, as for being a Hawaiian, stand-up paddleboarding is something that they used to do way back. And so you guys were able to bring it back something Hawaiian heritage, bring it back to life. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that was never the intention. It was all about having fun. And canoe paddling uh, through the mid-late 90s was one of my favorite things to do, uh -huh. as well as surfing. And when those two could be combined, I'm doing my two favorite things in the world. And now everything I knew in surfing and everything I know in canoe paddling, I can combine and start figuring out how to take advantage of this new addition of both of them. Uh -huh. And so that became fun. Just, just like the windsurfing, like the toe surfing, um, the, the process of evolving, the process of learning, the process of getting better is ultimately where the fun is in almost everything we do. Mm -hmm. It is really fun to get better. Yeah. And so here we are off running again, how to figure this thing out, how to get better at it, constantly improving, making better equipment um, is a lot of fun. And that, that development process and that creative process is what I absolutely love. Yeah. And so to, to be so thoroughly um, entrenched in it now, 
um, working for a company called Imagine as their designer, um, a board manufacturing company. Uh, I love making prototypes. Every time I get a new board, it's still like Christmas. Right. I want to get out there, see if what I thought was going to happen actually is going to happen. And, and most of the time it does, but a lot of times it doesn't. And those are actually the ones that I really I love figuring out, okay, it's not doing what I thought. It's doing something else. Yeah, what is the problem here? Why, Why? is it digging a rail right here? Well, not, not even, it doesn't have to be something it's doing wrong, but it's doing something you didn't anticipate. Right. Trying to figure out why is it doing that and then learning from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, man, I freaking love that process. It drives me every day. I'm constantly thinking about it. And so that that is a lot of fun for me. And to be 51 and relevant on any level in surfing, I mean, I've so far surpassed my shelf life as a surfer that, you know, I, I am so thankful. Well, and you're ultra fit, dude. What do you do to stay in shape? I surf a lot. I ride my bike gym, a bit. Nah, I don't, gyms I don't like. Um, I go to the beach and do beach workouts. I just try and stay really active. I, I'm not super committed to any one training program other than be active, keep moving, do something. Don't don't be a couch potato. Don't be a couch potato, although I I know my way around the couch as well as anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like in a lot of my my Waterman camps that I do, the Kalama camps, Uh um, I try and instill in people, I don't care what it is you do, if you're doing something, you're doing a lot of it right. Right. And and if it means just starting out with walking, then just walk. Right. Because every time you do something consistently, you'll be drawn deeper and deeper into it. You'll if you start walking, pretty soon you're running. If you're running, pretty soon you're on a bike or you're doing something else. Or it just you're always going to evolve. What is the Kalama camp? Can you explain that to me? It, it's they're stand-up um, driven camps, but I call them, you know, sharing the waterman's lifestyle. Sure. And I do camps on Namotu down in Fiji. Okay. And I've got a camp in Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean, which is really fun. And then I usually do shorter, a uh, little tighter versions. Um, I'm doing one in Deer Valley in Park City, Utah this okay. summer. Uh, Hood River. Wow. I consi- consistently yeah. do camps. Um, so just... And then I try and get around the country and do one one day versions of it or paddle clinics, heavily um, focused on on stroke technique. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. I love coaching. That's another thing. It's funny. I'll tell you a quick story. So I'm trying to be a ski racer. I'm in high school and I'm up on the hill. We're training one day, and one of my coaches was very analytical, very very you know, bend your knee more, angulate more. And I'm I'm doing these runs, and he's giving me tips, and nothing's working. And I have this other coach off to the side. And after about three or four runs, he kind of waves me over. Hey, Dave, come here. So I go over to him, and he can see I'm getting frustrated, and I'm not, I'm not getting it. And he says, hey, on the next run, come down like a race car. And it was like, boom. I knew exactly what he meant, what yeah. he wanted me to do. So I went up there. My next run was great, and it, it blew me away that such a simple explanation could have such a massive effect right and so that inspired me to want to be a coach and when i graduated high school my only aspiration was i was only going to get as far as a ski coach right that was that was my passion that's what i wanted to do well it didn't really work out 
I still have that that passion for coaching and you know stand up paddling and and even canoe paddling has enabled me to to live out that dream. Yeah, now if anybody wants to you know go to one of your camps, mm-hmm. how how do they find that? davidkalama.com. Okay. That's uh, your website as well that, too. Yep. So David with the ID. Uh, and you can check. Somebody scooped Dave out from under me because I let it lapse for a day. Uh, right. Wanted me to pay a bunch of money. And I'm like, screw you. I ain't paying squat. <laughs> that happened on my Twitter, too. Yeah, so you know <laughs> what I mean. So I ain't paying nothing. I'll go to David, and it's all good. So davidkalama.com. Uh, Dave Kalama on Instagram. Dave Kalama on Facebook. Um, and if anybody wants to sign up to be in your camp, they can go right to Kalama Camps, KalamaCamp.com. Yeah. Obviously, that's probably the first place you should look. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's stand-up is the focus, a lot of technique, but what we try and really um, share is that waterman's lifestyle. Getting the, the open mind, right. the, the just do something. Yeah. Have fun doing something. Yeah, find your place in that zone. Yeah. Yeah. If it's body surfing, if it's body boarding, if it's short board, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Riding a wave will make you feel better. Yeah. And that'll make every other aspect of your life better. Have you tried kite surfing yet? Oh, in the beginning of kite surfing, I was was right there at the beginning taking my lickings like every other guy, you know, having a kite mare of some sort (laughs) almost (laughs) almost on a daily basis. Now, I've never done that yet. It, it looks like it's really hard. Well, it... Like, if you need to hit... I don't know. My perspective is, I look at it... Okay, I was watching you guys do this while we were in Fiji last year. Right. And it looks like, man, once that wind just hits that parachute... Or, or is that what you call it? A sail? or Kite. A, kite? Yeah. Okay. Um, you need to be already game on because it looks like it's just taking you right away. The kites are so incredibly powerful. It's, it's unbelievable. And most of what you're learning is just how to harness that. Right. You're not going to overpower the kite ever. So it's a matter of learning how to work with it, not let that power get you into a bad situation. And once you do that, it is so fun. It is so fun. Um, it is so much safer than it used to be. When I did it, it was, it was two lines. Now yeah. there's four lines, and they've built in all these safety devices, and it, it's so, so much safer. You don't get safer. your arm cut off. And... You don't get your arm cut off. You don't cut off somebody else's <laughs> arm. Right. You know, there, there was all these things we went through. And again, no, nobody in front of us, so we were making every mistake in the book. Um, but kite surfing is a really fun thing. And like snowboarding, you can learn it relatively quick. Right. You know? Um, so it's, it's a great sport. I, I combine... Windsurfing and kiting are like skiing and snowboarding. Windsurfing takes a long time. Um, you gotta you gotta commit a lot of frustration mm-hmm. to figuring it out. Whereas kiteboarding, you know, within a within a couple days, you kind of got the kite figured out, and you you might be starting to ride your board already. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, you know, you're a kite surfer. You're doing it. Right, right. You, um, you know, you got guys like Niccolo Porcella mm. that as I had him as a guest a few weeks back, and um, he seems to be taking that kite surfing to like whole nother levels where he's trying to get barreled at Jaws, you know, and um, <laughs> he's getting some lickings there too. But um, it's crazy. I didn't know that you could take those cables through the water the way, because literally they have to be cutting through the wave if you're going to be getting barreled and still holding on to the kite. Yeah, the 
the lines are extremely thin and very strong. Um, definitely a a byproduct of technology for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't really kite surf that much at all. I guess uh-huh. I should say anybody that knows me is like, yeah, right. You don't kite anymore. surf <laughs> a little. I don't kite surf at all anymore. Right. But I can still do it. Every now and then I'll jump on a buddy stuff, go out, see if I can come back to where I started. Okay, I can still do it. But what these guys are doing nowadays is unbelievable in terms of riding waves. Uh-huh. They make it look really fun. Yeah. Like you said, the tube rides, the off the lips, it's amazing. It's it, huge it, cars. Huge cars. I mean, they are literally coming up and carving off the roof. Yeah. You know, because they've got so much speed and they they can use the force of, of the kite. Well, they just know when to crank that kite to make him. Go the other way too. Yeah, it's it's kite surfing nowadays is amazing. It's yeah. amazing. If you're even thinking about trying it, absolutely give it a try. Give it a try. Okay, well, hopefully you're going to be in Fiji this year, and I get to you know maybe get a lesson or something from you. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm the guy you want to learn from, <laughs> <laughs> but I will. I'll get your back. Don't okay. worry about that. I won't let you have any kite mirrors. Well, I'll make sure that at least we take a couple of stand up paddle boards and go from Tavarua to Namotu and have a beer. There you go. And then go back. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you Absolutely. do? What do you do for fun around here? Whenever you're not getting in the water, stand up paddle boarding. What are you doing with your kids when you're hanging out around? Well, <laughs> sorry, but I'm getting them in the water. Right, right. Um, Are you teaching them to, you know, my, spear fish and just all the, you know, everything that we did while we were growing up as kids here? Yeah, I'm, well, we got a trampoline, so just, just keeping them busy, keeping them, like, when we were kids, you know, it's a little bit different, whereas when we were kids, we'd go out when the light, when the sun came up, and your mom would have to call you in. Yeah. Once it got dark, and even that was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. You know, maybe a half hour later you come in. But um, with electronics and all the the video games, it's a bit more of a challenge to keep them engaged outside. It's a really big challenge. So that sort kids of all have cell phones. Mm, just my two older ones right <laughs> now. And uh, but yeah, sharing the ocean with my my eighteen year old son is really getting into every aspect of the ocean. Um, Diving, stand-up, shortboard. Um, he's guiding kayak tours. Mm, cool. He's actually on a on a voyage right now uh, on this Hawaiian program that's kind of culturally based and and uh, exposes them to the maritime industry. So that's a uh, Hola Moana is a great program. Super stoked he's involved in that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, share. And now my seven-year-old is asking me, Dad, can we go surf? So, you know, That's every time so he cool. says that, I bubble up and like, yeah, we can go surf. Yeah. So getting him in the water is a lot of fun and, and uh, sharing that with him. Um, it's very cool. You, you know? know, you just got back from, I think, Panama, right? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. How was that? What were you doing down there? Uh, I was down there with Colin McPhillips uh-huh. and Dave Bainey, and we were doing a lot of stand-up and... Uh, it was a blast. We got some great surf like every day and Pavonis and stuff. No, we were more in the north and and just hitting all these breaks that were hardly anybody around. Wow. Yeah, so absolutely loved it down there. Had a blast and actually, I'm looking forward to going back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, um now you also do a bunch of guiding surf adventure guide. 
Yeah, one of the things I do um, within my passion for coaching is is private coaching and guiding. Mm-hmm. And where are some of the cool places that you've been? Well, with as being you know an adventure guide. Yeah, well, because Namotu, Fiji, is one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, um, I always am happy to go there and share that experience with people. Um, I've been all around the South Pacific uh-huh. uh, with a few of my clients, and yeah, that that is really fun. When you have the time to work with someone, you know, it's not just a couple of hours, and you and you're dumping all this information, but you can kind of go the long play mm-hmm. and be more subtle in your teaching. I I really love that um, because then you're 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 not rushing them through A to Z. Right. It's like all right, let's get A right, then we move on to B. And let's get C right. And so they, they build a stronger foundation when you have that time to work with them. And a lot of times teaching them, not, not really the hard way, but explaining something, this is why you don't do this. Maybe they do it. And, oh, okay, now I see why you didn't want me right. to do that. Right. You know. So I, I enjoy it when I can have several days to spend with a client and uh, yeah, really help them progress. Yeah, it's, and you get to know them. You get to know how their bodies work. Um, if it's an all-day thing that's going on for like a week or two weeks, whatever. Um, okay, well, you know what? Let's go surf in the morning. Let's go surf in the afternoon. Hey, the waves look really good right now. Let's go try it right now. Exactly. Um, the wind's picking up. Let's go over here. Let's try this. Uh, and it's not just one of those, hey, a forced lesson here from 11 to 2, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And... Obviously, you spend time, you find out what they do, um, some of the experiences they've had, and then you can use those. Mm-hmm. When, when you can attach something someone already knows to what you're trying to teach them, boy, it really helps accelerate the process. Yeah. Because then they're not trying to figure out completely on a blank slate what you mean. But if you can, like if they're a cyclist and you can go, okay, well, you know how when you, when you pedal... There is no beginning and there is no end. It's a complete cycle. Now let's apply that in paddling. Mm -hmm. There is no beginning, there is no end. Once you start to paddle, you continually cycle through the whole thing. And so that's how you get people to smooth out their stroke. Um, There's, you don't, like people tend to, and I'm probably getting way too specific, but people tend to think of the stroke as a beginning and an end. And when you do that, you stop at the end. We, right. When you think of something having an end, whether consciously or unconsciously, you pause for a second. And when you take that concept away, now it's continual. Now there's no beginning and it's flowing and it's smoother and there's more rhythm and yada, 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 more right. than you ever wanted to know about paddling. <laughs> right, right. Um, now what about, say, for, for the beginning paddler out there? Any advice for them how, you know, just to get started? You know, what are the do's and don'ts when um, you're starting to learn how to stand up paddleboard? All right, so the first thing when you learn, get a giant board that's super stable and make it fun. Don't worry about the technique. Don't worry about, you know, am I doing it right or wrong? Just get out on the water and have fun. Right. If you have fun, you're way more likely to come back. Now you can start to worry about, Mm -hmm. am I doing it right? You know, how do I maximize my stroke? How do I get more efficient on down the line? I can make it as complicated as you want. But the first thing is have fun. Have fun. In almost anything. That forget stand up paddling. Whatever it is you do. Exactly. And and you know, back to my workout program. That's that's kind of one of the things I tell people. If you work so freaking hard 
you're like, whoa, I don't, that was kind of gnarly. Right. You're not motivated to come back. Yeah. So start out easy, enjoy it. You're way more likely to come back. And then it becomes a lifestyle or something you incorporate into your life, not a program. Right. Programs are a week, two, maybe a few months, and they can be effective, but you're not going to do it for the rest of your life. And my goal is to be doing what I'm doing, having a lot of fun as long as I possibly can. And if you're not having fun, get the hell out. Exactly. You know, because like you were talking about earlier about reinventing yourself three, four times, stepping in different piles of shit. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, I built and designed golf courses pretty much my whole life, you know, and I did it and I was doing it because I loved it and I was having so much fun. But, um, you know, a couple of things happened which made me reinvent myself. Um, a, the economy took a shit, you know, that kind of hurt everybody. But at the same time, I was not having fun anymore. It, it wasn't my passion anymore where I just love. I couldn't wait to jump on a bulldozer and shape in a killer golf green and bunkers all the way around it, you know. That used to be so much fun for me. And once it stopped being fun, I was like, you know what, maybe this is a good sign the economy took a crap because I get to now go find something that I'm going to love to do and start doing it. And, you know, here I am sitting with you now because I'm, I'm having fun. I'm loving this, you know, and I'm such a people person. So I get to go out there and I get to hang out with my friends. I get to talk story and just bullshit and it's working out. So I know exactly what you're talking about. One of the words that you said right there that really popped out at me and, and I try and share with people is passion. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's big wave surfing, for that matter, if it's making jewelry, uh -huh. if you have a passion for it and it drives you, to me, that's a life worth living. That's, that's joy. Yeah. That's happiness, right? But it, you have to have some kind of passion. What, kids, doesn't matter. Um, but that passion, and I share this a lot with the, the younger pro guys in stand-up that I coach from time to time, is have passion, first of all. Love what you're doing because everything that I might ask you to do won't seem like work anymore. It's just part of the enjoyment of doing what you love. Right. And, and I think that's what has gotten me to where I'm at um, with windsurfing. There was nobody more passionate than me. When we got into toe surfing, it was so much fun. That passion stayed alive. Yeah. And then it transformed into, into stand-up paddling. And so I've been very fortunate to live a life very filled with, with passions that drive me mm -hmm. and keep me extremely motivated. And um, I don't care what it is. I just hope it's something that keeps me going and enjoying it till I don't care if it's 70 or... 170, as long as I have that drive and that passion in life, you know. Yeah, well, you seem to be a master of reinventing yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, and speaking of reinventing yourself, you know, you've gotten into uh, being a commentator now on the WSL, which is a whole new realm for you. Uh, but you're good at it. You're really good. You get up there and you know what you're talking about. You look like you're very comfortable when we're watching you on TV. And I'm just, I'm in the background just going, yeah, fuck it, Dave. Go, bro. <laughs> you know, that, that's really a, f a funny thing that sort of came along that I didn't really see. Um, I listen to a lot of sports radio, and I watch a lot of sports. And so 
I was always paying attention to the, to, to the radio personalities, to the commentators, and so I felt I had a little bit of familiarity with it, but it was so far outside of what I envisioned I would ever do myself that when I started to do it, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to do it was just to get myself outside my comfort zones. You know, a lot of times that's when you grow, that's when you sort of evolve mm-hmm. is when you do things that you're you're not comfortable doing. Yeah. And that was one thing I was not comfortable. I mean, you probably scared shitless when you first got Oh, absolutely. Ride. When when I got the Piahi job, um I was extremely excited the night before you know, I'm thinking in my head, what, what do I say? How do I act? How, how do I approach this whole thing? And then finally, I kind of said to myself, you know what? You need to stop caring. Yeah. Just don't give a, sh- don't you know, give a shit. Don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Yeah. And just be you. Yeah. Being you is what's got you here. Yep. That's so why just, everybody loves you. Just keep being you, man. And, and once I kind of adopted that mentality, it was like, well... Better than the surfers out in the water. If I crash and burn today, I'm going home alive and everything's going to be fine. So how bad could this really be? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it was like, just have fun with it. You're outside your comfort zone. Let's see where you end up. You know, and it was like dropping in on a wave, man. Just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. And you were owning it out there. You know, granted, you were alongside some of the most talented guys on the mic. You know, you've got Ross Williams, Joe Trapel, Ronnie Blakey, Strider, you know, and you guys are just, you're on it, you know? You just, well, you were like a welcomed portion onto that, you know? And everybody just loved it. And they, I loved how everybody just kept falling back to you. Dave, you know, you being the expertise, being out there in the water, knowing this stuff, knowing this wave, um, you know, they always just kept falling back on you, and you just were right on spot every single time. Those guys, I owe them so much. They could have destroyed me. Yeah. I mean, literally, they are the best at what they're doing, right? They could have destroyed me if they had egos. They were like, who's the new guy? And yeah. you think you're a hot stuff. Forget about it. They were so nice. They made it so easy. They just kept serving me up softballs, <laughs> and they made it so easy. And, and while I've gotten a lot of good positive feedback, most of it's because those guys made it so easy for me just to be me and, yeah. and do what I do. So a huge thank you to, to the WSL and, and all the other commentators. They, they were awesome. Now, do you plan? Was that the only event that you did? Because I, I could have swore I've seen you on some other stuff. I did Totos, right. uh, which was a little bit of a disappointment because we didn't quite get... I mean, to go from the top of Everest right. to the top of Saddleback, if you know where that is in Southern California, <laughs> right. kind of is like not going to quite carry it, right? Yeah. But, um, I mean, still, professional event and everything, was, it was awesome to be there, and I learned a lot. And working with those guys every time is... is an incredible experience. But then to go to the Eddie and have that happen was, I mean, forget commentating, just being there and experiencing that day was unbelievable. But then to get to talk about it, I was just like, oh my God, how lucky are you? I know. I, I didn't actually get to hear the commentating. I had to go back and listen to it because I was actually sitting on the point at Kathy's house Right on the point, dude. It was like you're either on a jet ski looking in or you're on the point looking in, you know. And so it's full on ringside seats, blazing in the sun. I was fried when I left. But, man, what a view. What a day. What an event. 
Talk about being down on the floor at Game 7, Celtics-Lakers. It, it, nothing is higher than that. Yeah. There's, in terms of sporting events, I don't care if it's the Super Bowl, World Series, or NBA Finals, that is right there with anything I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, the conditions were absolutely flawless. You know, there was all these giant closeout sets. It was so freaking big. I'm watching uh, Abe Lerner, Strider on the back on the ski, you know, as they're punching through Strider's, his neck's still jacked to this day because of that. Um, it was just, you're out racing. Oh, shit, here comes a closeout. I can't go back out to see. I got to go towards the beach, you know. The first time I saw all six of the skis running in towards the beach, <laughs> I, I think I was sitting next to Pete Mel or somebody, and they're coming closer, they're coming closer, and they're not turning. And I'm like, okay, well, the whitewater's small enough to climb it, but they're not turning around. What, what the heck is their game plan? They're going to end up on the beach. And sure enough, they just ran it up on the beach, got out of the way, let everything settle down, then Boom. pushed back in. I'm like... So that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was some really, really hectic water going on that day. And, yeah. you know, sitting where I was at, um, you guys were on the beach, right? Yep. So you kind of had a farther perception, but you're seeing the bigger picture. Um, but I could also see around the corner at, uh, what is it, three tables? Yeah. And do those sets coming through there starting off were just monstrosities. And then coming across around through the bay, and you're just like, Holy crap, the spray's flying up on us. It was it was a nuts, nuts show that day. And, you know, Eddie was there. Brock was there, you know. And, um, yeah, Brock, I'm sure, was a good friend of yours as well. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty eventful day. And, man, yeah, I'm so glad it happened. Me too. I mean, as, as a big wave surfer and being the age that we are, you hear of guys talk about the winter of 69 and mm -hmm. how significant that was and Greg Knowles' day at, at Makaha. Yeah. To me, that will be this generation's 69. Yeah. It will be the Eddie. It will be talk of Piahi yeah. and how it was in 2016. and uh, Or technically, I think it was the end of 2015 for Piahi. right. right but considered the winter of 2016. Those will be the days that, you know, they refer back to Billy and and Albie and Shane. Shane, Shane on that and wave. And Greg Long. Before the event started, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... Aaron Gold's wave. And Aaron Gold's wave. It's, I mean, right now, we look at that and everyone's in awe, but imagine in 10 or 20 years when we can step back and, and really look at how significant some of these moments were that happened this winter. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like there was moments every two to three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're so close to it right now, and some of these guys are so entrenched in it that they're going to need to get through their careers and reflect back mm -hmm. on, on those experiences and look at them in their entirety, mm -hmm. I think, to really appreciate them. Because I know when I was towing Big Piahi... It was just fun. It was something we did. It was it was what drove you every morning. But now that I look back, you know, 10, 15 years removed from those those days, wow, how fortunate I was to get to experience that. Yeah. You know, that's that's the stuff that, you know, when I do have grandkids and I'm another 10, 20 years down the line and and 
I start sharing my stories, those will be the, those will be the stories. Those yeah. will be the days I tell. Now, were, were there any days out there when you guys were starting that were just like you look back now, going, or at that time, just going, we can't even freaking tow in this day; it's too big. One of the most memorable days I had out there was the first time I ever went up there, and it was in '88 with Brett Lickle and a guy named Mark Pedersen from Australia, and we sailed up on our windsurfers from Hokipa. And this is before anybody had surfed it that we knew of, before anybody had sailed it. And and we headed up. We're like, let's go check it out. You know, we were aware of it. And we got up there, and it was like stepping into the land of the lost. It was yeah. like we expected pterodactyls to fly off the cliff and right. dinosaurs to we be walking around. Insane. Yeah. yeah, just everything was big. And raw. And raw and intimidating and moving fast. And... uh Looking back on it now, it was barely breaking. Really? <laughs> because the days that we saw, you know, years down the line were so much bigger. But at that time, we were so intimidated by everything wow. that uh, it really burned some some pictures into my mind that will be there forever. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. Um, do you still surf out there now? Not really. No. Not really. I think if the circumstances were right, I would, but but part of me, yeah, part of me wants to be out there, and part of me right. in in my mind, hey, I'm as good as those guys, right? But but I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy out there that everyone's looking at, going, hey, he can still do it, right? Not like he used to, <laughs> but he can still do it. Kelly Slater's 44 years and still on tour. <laughs> well, Kelly's killing it. He's not to that point I know, yet. I'm kidding. But you know what I mean. I don't. I don't want to be looked at as this novelty guy that's right. still out there from the generation before. Um, I had my day. I got to to be one of the kings out there. Yeah, I appreciate what I had. I don't want to beat it into the ground and. <laughs> destroy some of the, the the leftover taste in my mouth and how sweet that was. Um, I appreciate what I had and and will reflect and enjoy those memories forever. Right. But I think I'm smart enough to know while I could still do it, um, I'm not sure I need to still do it. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, are you still, you know, real tight with, um, you know, Laird, Fuzzy, Derek, all the boys? Yeah, I mean, Laird and I don't see each other a lot, but like I just happened to cross paths with him in LAX the other day as I was coming back from the East Coast. And every time we see each other, it's like no time's gone by, right. big hug, everything, you know, we're because of the experiences that we've shared and the intense moments we've had out there. Um, there, there's a group of guys and he is one of them. We will the always be brothers. Yeah, we will sure. always be brothers. And Life goes on, and you get pulled in different directions from careers or family or whatever it is, but that will always be there, and that will always be such a, a, a foundation and a glue to our relationship. Yeah, I heard a, a quote once, and um, I, I won't get it exactly right, but true friends are, you know, even though time passes, you know, um, you may not talk to each other on the phone, you know, as much anymore, hang out as much anymore. And it may be 10 years down the road and all of a sudden you see each other or just a phone call. But when you do see each other or you do talk on the phone, it's like it was yesterday. You know, nobody bitches about, why don't you call me? You know, what happened to our friendship type <laughs> yeah. of shit? But those are your true friends, you know, that you're always going to have with you the rest of your life. 
And you know, it's just something that always stuck with me. And so um, now you're all into, you're starting to shape boards now as well, too. Yeah. Um, How exciting is that? About five years ago, um, I was getting frustrated that I wasn't getting what I wanted to ride. Uh-huh. And so I took it upon myself to figure it out so that I could get what I wanted to ride. Right. And while it's a little bit difficult at first and it's a little bit intimidating, you know, I just I have a little shaping booth in my backyard and I could just kind of hide out in there, make my mistakes without anybody looking over my shoulder and just I while I watched Jerry Lopez for years shape my boards, Jeff Timponi shape my boards, um some very good shapers. I never took it upon myself to pay attention to what they were really doing. I was always looking at the I'm board. The same way. Yeah. Not the shaper. Right. And now that I do it myself, God, I wish I would have paid more attention to what they were doing rather than what they were creating. But it is it is really motivating to me. Um, I'm not trying to make it a job per se where I do orders and I've always got all these boards to shape. I'm doing it because I love it, and I do it more just to create what I want to ride. Right. I make boards for a few friends and family, but I'm not trying to create a brand. Now, what are you trying to create? Regular surfboards, longboards, stand-up paddleboards? More stand-up. Stand-up's definitely my focus. Right. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm the head designer for Imagine, uh, Imagine Surf, which is a stand-up paddleboard brand. Uh-huh. And so that's where my main focus is, is making the best possible products I can for that company and helping to progress not only the company but the sport in general. Mm. Um, so that keeps me very motivated. But on a personal level, shaping is fun, and I don't want to turn it into my 9 to 5 because right. I enjoy it so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I love that process of, of having an idea, being able to shape it, bring it to life, and then go out and ride it. Mm-hmm. Keeps me very motivated. That's really, really awesome. Um, well, I know you've got a busy day. Um, we're going to start to wrap things up here. Um, I want to thank you first for being on the show. Uh, you're awesome. You're a legend, bro. My Love pleasure. Long time. I can't wait to come back. Hey, I got a question before sure. for you before we wrap this up. Yeah. You know everyone. How do you know everyone, literally everyone? I don't know. It just happens, you know. Um, it's it's a networking thing, you know. It's it's the same thing like what we talked about before. You know, don't dick people around, okay? Uh, be straight up with people. Give them all the love that you want back, and it's going to, next thing you know, people are like, hey, I want to hang out with you, I want to hang out with you, and you're meeting people all over, and and I love to meet people, you know, and, and I think that when people meet me, they're like, hey, this guy's uh, That's a real guy. person right there. It's a real person. He doesn't give a fuck if you're <laughs> a movie star, 11-time world champion surfer, rock star, artist. You're all the same people, in, and I'll treat you all the same, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of how it's gone. So, And like I said, don't fuck people over. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's a simple rule to follow. <laughs> yeah. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, and don't fuck people over. Yeah, you know. And um, so anyway, yeah. Well, I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, just to know everyone and have everyone know you. It's it's 
it's you know well i do forget a lot of people yeah yeah i don't tell i you know oh yeah what's yeah, what's up you know because <laughs> there is a, everybody's a lot of people yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> that's true anyway can't tell you how much i've enjoyed this yeah me too thank dude. you very thank much thank you i would love to come back you know in the next few months or next year maybe even if we're in fiji together this year do another one, you know, see what else has been going on in your life. And I'm sure you can round up some really cool stories for me. Let's get the, uh, if we're down in Fiji and we got Kelly, I'd love to have, you know, have a little tit for tat with him. That would be a lot of fun. Or whoever's Shane. Oh, yeah. All the boys are going to be there. Yeah. Everybody's that would be a be blast. There. Oh, yeah. There's going to be so many people. We're going to have to have mics set up all over the place <laughs> because everybody's going to want to jump in and they're going to, you're going to be hearing them yelling from the background. It's like, Hey, you know what? Wait a sec. You'll have your turn. Okay. And uh, but it'll be fun. We'll have to set up cameras too. Yep. That would that GoPros would be a good all over the place. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. Story time on Tavarua. Oh God. <laughs> it's gonna be some debauchery. <laughs> especially after all the uh Tavaritas. Yeah. <laughs> if you do it around four o'clock in the afternoon, it's gonna be a mess. Start out G-rated, ended up X. Oh, yeah. It'll be really bad. <laughs> I don't think this podcast has ever started off G-rated. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you got sponsors that you want to thank? Imagine Surf, Quick Blade Paddles, uh, FCS Fins, the Easy Rider up in Canada is a great surf shop to get all your stand-up gear. Okay. Um, NP Clothing, mm -hmm. really stoked to be working with them and helping develop their products. And, uh, yeah, that's it. And once again, where can we find you on social media? DavidKalama.com. Yeah. Uh, Dave Kalama on Instagram. Dave Kalama um, in Facebook. Uh, Kalama Camps, if you want to check out the camps and what they're all about. And uh, you can find me on Maui most of the time. That's cool. Yeah, especially <laughs> in this beautiful zone. I know where to find you. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, once again, big shout out to my sponsors, Hurley, GoPro, Deuce Gym in Venice Beach, Original Nutritionals, Kona Boys, Kona Coffee and Tea, Maverick Sport Fishing. If I left anybody out, I'm sorry. I'm kind of running real fast here. But uh, also, if you want to find me, go on to Dozer Dave on Instagram, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook, uh, Dozer Dave Knows. See, that was that one we were talking about mm -hmm. where I could get Doze Knows for Twitter. <laughs> So it's Dozer Dave Knows <laughs> at Twitter. And then also you can come see all the pictures of me and Dave um, and this beautiful view that we've got right here on my webpage at www.dozenose.com. Dave, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. All and right. aloha. Aloha. Ahuyo. Everybody knows If you don't know, now you know. Everybody knows those now. Everybody knows those now.